Now we're up to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we would like to remind you of episode 123, when we were joined by Charlie Steeds to discuss The Lost Boys for Pride Month. Good times. The Lost Boys, classic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, big part of my childhood. I watched it on repeat. Uh, and... Yeah, if, if you if you love the first film as much as us, go and listen to that episode before you listen to this one. Uh, but yeah, I I watched it so much when I was younger. Um, and then around 2007 time, there was news of a sequel, and I was really excited. You may recall in that episode, I uh, discussed my chats with Corey Feldman um, on MySpace. Uh, and yeah, the, he flat out denied doing any sequels or anything like that. And then... Along came the trailer for Lost Boys the Tribe. So you were lied to. I was lied to. Oh Several times. Um, <laughs> just once. So today we're here to talk about not just Lost Boys the Tribe, but Lost Boys the First as well. We've got a double feature for you. Yeah, two sequels to Lost Boys. Two, two films. Two... Not so great sequels <laughs> to The Last Place. So, I mean, first off, let's start with the question. Was it necessary? No. But, are you, we're saying that now after watching two really bad sequels. I think the potential is there for a great sequel to The Lost Boys. The, quest, the, the question is, after watching The Lost Boys, was a... Sequel, two sequels, one of them centred more, but centred around one half of the Frog Brothers, really necessary. <laughs> no. They weren't exactly central to the story of the Lost no. Boys. No, but you think of the amount of potential, you know, that's there for Lost Boys sequels that could be more connected to the main story of the first film. Yeah, starring um, Jason Patrick. Yeah. Yeah, the original cast members, you know, mm. there's so much that could be done there. Uh, but instead, we <laughs> got these. Um, the, starting with Lost Boys the Tribe in 2008. Do you remember this being no, released? Absolutely no? not. I didn't watch The Lost Boys until I met you. That's true. That's true. I have absolutely no idea that this existed until I, I met you. Yeah, directed by PJ Pesk. Uh, the director of Body Waves, The Desperate Trail, Rolling Thunder, From Dust Till Dawn 3, Tremors, the TV series, Sniper 3, Smoking Aces 2, Transporter, the series, episodes of Supernatural, episodes of Charmed. Um, yeah, so I mean, a fair mix of random shit and established shit. Yeah, I mean, director for hire comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, not, not exactly an auto. Budget of four point two million dollars, and it was straight to DVD. Yes, 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 it was straight to DVD. Yeah, <laughs> but Warner Brothers could have, they they could have put a, a bit more into this, and I think maybe if they actually went with a big budget and a theatrical film, it could have been better. Yeah, but you would have had to have had that cast. Yeah, the, what they well, Corey Haim was alive at the time. Yeah, yeah, but. And I don't want to bog down the podcast with with this, but Corey Feldman and Corey Hayne had their issues. Yes. Yeah. You know, they weren't in the best place at this time. 
I think, Corey Haim more than Corey Feldman. Yeah. So, I, I mean, centering it around someone who wasn't as famous as they were, I know this, this sounds harsh, but would there have ever been a market for a theatrical release of a film headlined by Corey Feldman and Corey Haim in 2008. If they mixed it... So. If they mixed it with a new cast, a fresh fresh cast, names people know, then yeah. If they just had them as returning characters... Yeah. You know, that sort of sequel where it happens to someone else, they go to people who've been through it before, blah, 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 blah. We've seen it a thousand times. But it could work with The Lost Boys. Um, yeah. Um, I think you would have to have had... Probably not even Jason Patrick. I mean, Lost Boys is probably his most famous film. Mm. You'd have to have had, you know, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, which never would have happened. Which never would have happened. Because character died. The character died. But it would find... What they probably would most likely have done is a remake. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. be honest. Oh, in 2008... Well, this is essentially a remake. Yeah. I'm surprised they just didn't do a remake. This is essentially a remake. Yeah. Really, like, it's very it, it is the same yeah. plot. It is the exact same plot as uh-huh. the original, yeah. but with boobs, swearing, blood, and obnoxious characters. Yeah, I mean, you know, Corey Feldman is the only thing in this film keeping it from being a straight up remake. Exactly. Oh, and Corey Haim at the end. Yeah, and the constant use of that song. <laughs> um, but I, I do think. It should have been a remake, I suppose, yeah. and Corey Feldman could have had a cameo in it rather than, he, you know, continuing his role as one half of the Frog Brothers. And I know we discussed previously on our Friday the 13th, the final chapter episode, and of course the Lost Boys episode, how, you know, Corey Feldman's struggles are still lasting very much to this very day. Um, considering he, he probably also, like you said, wasn't in the best place in 2008... Doesn't do a terrible job. No, no. And he looks exactly like he did he in has, 1987. He hasn't <laughs> aged that much either. No, really. like, it's ridiculous. It's over 20 years yeah. since the first film. Unless he was a child star, so... You know, he still would have been relatively young at this point. I'm yeah. assuming still in his 30s. Um, but he hasn't aged Well, he was 16 terribly. in 1987. So that would have made him 37. 37. 37. Yeah, yeah he, he hasn't aged at all. I mean, he puts this stupid voice on, even more so in the in the first. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's amusing to see. Um, getting into the trivia, Corey Haim and Corey Farman are the only cast members from The Lost Boys to return. Jameson Newlander also returned, but his scenes were deleted in two really weird alternative endings. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Corey Feldman was originally reluctant to reappear as Edgar Frog, but changed his mind when he was offered a lo- offered a larger part in the story. So really, it should have just been a remake. Yeah, the only reason he's offered a larger part in the story is because he's the only one willing to return. Yeah, essentially. You know, it, it wasn't like everyone was like, "Oh yeah, that's his Edgar Frog story we need to tell." It isn't his story. You know, this is the story of the two main characters, and he just happens to be there. Yeah, really. True. The producers decided to give both Corey Farman and Corey Haim's prominent roles after the two Corys became a success. The uh, reality TV show. Yeah, Haim's existed until yeah. today. Haim's role, however, would be reduced to a brief cameo during um, due to his drug relapse. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a very sad story. Before the film entered development, three ideas for a sequel to Lost Boys were considered. 
One was a prequel focusing on David, Kiefer Sutherland's character, and how he became a vampire. Another was titled The Lost Girls. Okay. And another titled Lost Boys Devil May Cry. The Lost Girls, I remember that was on a documentary. They they were talking about that at the time. Um, and I was really excited for that to be made, but then this, this ended up being made instead. Yeah, Lost Girls would have been very interesting. Uh, the film was intended to be a remake of the original set in modern day. That makes sense. With Corey Feldman just making a cameo as a homage to the original. Yeah, and I think if you would have been able to get one or two big names for it, then it would have had a theatrical yeah. release. I mean, fucking a remake of Prom Night got a theatrical release. Yeah, you know? that's true. Um, and The Lost Boys is obviously way bigger and had way more of an impact than Prom Night, but that, you know, this straight to video. Um, Maybe that's why. Maybe a lot of people didn't realise Prom Night was a remake. It's yeah. Absolutely fuck all to do the original. Autumn Risa, who plays uh, Nicole Emerson, despised filming the scenes in which she was covered in blood, stating it was disgusting and really sticky. Well, thank you for doing it, because it makes for some of the better scenes in the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is my own little bit of trivia added on the end. The Blu-ray special features <laughs> include... Corey Feldman providing a guide on how to kill vampires, as well as an hilarious G Tom Mac music video for Cry Little Sister, the dance remix. Dance remix? <laughs> Trying to be Nine Inch Nails. The, yeah, the new metal remix, should we say? I, I don't know, but. Industrial. The, the Corey Feldman one is, is fucking ridiculous. Um, it might be on par with. The Crossroads, How to Make the T-Shirts thing is oh my favourite special feature. Uh, but this this music video is just something. It's, gen- it's very generic. Well, it includes a bunch of teenagers who I... Teenagers. I who I, supposedly are meant to be vampires. And they wake up <laughs> at sunlight, at sunrise, <laughs> which makes no sense. And then they go dancing to Jita Mac. Who is clearly, him and his band are clearly performing the original version of the song. And yeah. this remix has just been put on over the top of it. <laughs> G-Tom Mac's a fucking character, isn't he? And it, it, the thing is, it's quite weird because obviously it's a band made up of older people. And so having like younger people like really jamming out to it in the crowd <laughs> just looks weird. It does. At one point, the bass player does a busted jump mm. and he's clearly in his 40s. Um, <laughs> but G-Ton Max is a hell of a guy, isn't he? He's, he's something. Bless him. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's say that. He's, he's, he seems all, all right. Just... Did, did we mention a story on the Lost Boys episode about him and his uh, MacBook? Mm-hmm. Um... In case no one's familiar, he did a horror convention where everyone thought he was going to come out and perform Cry Little Sister. He came out and performed a whole, like, 20-minute set of his Lost Boys musical. He really went for it, didn't he? <laughs> and <laughs> his fucking MacBook as the backdrop, and you could see the menus and everything. It's, yeah. It, it was pretty tragic. And then the Lost Boys Q&A, he took the lead, like he was the main part of the Lost Boys. He did. And he just wrote a fucking song for the... He did kind of take the lead. Not even the best song on the soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> but it's carried through to, to these films. Yeah. And you hear it a lot. A lot. <laughs> it's the only one they get the rights for, let's face it. 
Um, so, getting into the film, the follow-up to the cult classic horror film takes us back to the familiar shady surf city of Santa Carla, no it doesn't, where vampire surfers quickly dispatch anyone who tries to invade their turf. No, they don't. That's That's a it. bullshit plot, IMDb. That is bullshit. Not it is true. not in Santa Carla, for no. starters. It's in Luna Bay, California. Uh-huh. Um... Now, I'm not from America, but I'm pretty sure those aren't the same place. No. I'm sure they'd make a massive point of it in the film if it was the case. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's not surfer vampires killing only tries to invade their turf. That's just not true. No. No, it's not, no. So we start with more swearing in the opening three minutes than in the whole of The Lost Boys. Yeah. Like, it is jar. I remember that that being my first memory of the sequel, was turning it on and immediately it's like, fuck, 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 motherfucking bitch. Well, it I was is, like, yeah. what the fuck is this? It's just like when people use swear words. For the sake of it. Punctuation. Like a Rob Zombie film. Yeah. When I put late night surfing from dudes who need to wash their mouths out with soap. <laughs> but it's. They're literally just swearing for the sake of it. It's like. Watching the Halloween remake after watching Halloween, you know the Rob Zombie one. It's yeah. Within the first few minutes, there's more swearing than that. It's like I don't understand why modern audiences, again around the same time, why you know why directors thought modern audiences just wanted really obnoxious characters. Yeah, I just uh, yeah, but that's all it does is make the characters obnoxious, yeah. but in a, like an annoying way. It's not really any of their behaviour. You know, it's just this. Use of foul language. Yeah. It gets on your nerves. Like, and the thing is... don't know what you're saying, you're swearing so much. I mean, you know, you know what we're like. You just listen to one of our episodes and we're probably worse. But it's... It's jarring not, when when I'm you're... Sure. But when, when you're, you know, when you're so used to a film that just wasn't... It wasn't like that. It's it's jarring. It really takes you out of it. Yeah, just a little bit. It's, it's a weird start to the film. Um, the obnoxious surfers hop the gate of a big fancy house so they could go surfing on its private beach uh, and make stupid noises. Like, throughout the film we hear, woo like all the time, so shut the fuck up. Tom Savini owns the house. He does. Start previous star on a podcast, Tom Savini. Um, and comes out to give him a talent off. Um, one of the vampires, Eric, uh, informs him that he doesn't own the beach before calling him a pussy whore blood clot. Uh, yeah. Uh, another vampire translates this and says that this means he doesn't, that you don't own the ocean. Like, we, we didn't need it translating, huh? That's fine. Yeah, the idea is that he has such a sort of strong, um, well, he says it himself, Caribbean sort of way of speaking, that he needs translation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom <laughs> Savini, he's uh, dressed to impress, isn't he? Is he? What's he wearing? He's got a like fancy a nightgown. Like a yeah. nightgown with his uh, dressing, dressing sun, sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah, it's. I find it really. What I don't understand is how big is this house? Because if it's just part of the beach that Tom Savini owns mm. and it's attached to, you know, his house, why can't they just like surf? Onto the, if they're going there to surf, yeah. What's the difference? I know, I know. Like really, this what... this whole scene is pointless. It's totally pointless. Like, um, I so get into what happens. Tom Savini explains he owns all of it, all of the land. Um, and one vampire's like, blow me. Um, and then they make shitty jokes about not being invited into someone's house, but then they attack him and 
decapitate him. Now, I don't as have a problem with the gore in the film. I think it looks great. I think the practical effects are fantastic. Uh, the best part of the film, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. But let's compare this to the opening scene of the first film where, you know, that police officer's walking across the car park and we see from the vampire's point of view them swooping down and that's it. It's left yeah. to your imagination. It's so much more effective than having a group of guys come in, start swearing and everything, and then decapitate a guy. Yeah. But this, I think this is very sort of indicative of... The time um, when it was released. The time when it was yeah. released. Absolutely. You know, this is 20 years since the original. I don't think an audience in 2008 would appreciate the kind of um, comic book style of the original Lost Boys. Yeah. You know, they want to see gore and they well, want yeah. to see over-the-top action because they feel like they've seen it all. Yeah, this is your Saw era, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, this is, and... you know, and Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah. How that sort of um, took everything and expanded it. You know, the violence was more, the yeah. backstory was more. It was more, 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 more. You know, that's where horror was at that time. Yeah. Um. One of the vampires, Kyle, takes the head and he's like, yo, suck my dick, bitch. And then kicks the head and hurts his foot to great hilarity because he hit the spine. Yeah. Um, I was... Con- uh, concerned. Concerned? I was concerned about the whole thing. <laughs> I-, I was confused um, by the fact that Tom Savini was a vampire himself. Yeah. Like, Tom Savini had the fangs. His character had fangs. Yeah. So, I don't understand why they did that to one of their own. Yeah. It, 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 like I said, the scene just did not need to it exist. It didn't make any sense. It's a cool, it's a cool to see Tom Savini being ripped apart. Yeah. It's cool to see Tom Savini's head being... <laughs> I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> I think he understands what I mean. It's fun to watch Tom Savini's head be kicked and his decapitated head... Uh, sink to the bottom of the ocean and then the credits roll. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. In terms of the film, it makes no sense. Yeah. But, you know, I don't... The problem is, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably say this a lot during this episode, is that I can... I'm not one of these where everything has to make sense. Everything has to be consistent, you know. It, it's a horror film. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be entertaining. But when there's so much that doesn't really make any sense or doesn't really fit or, you know, continuity errors, it takes you out of the film. Mm. Because, you know, I'm one of these people, I can't not think about it. I can't not notice these things. I can forgive, but I can't forget. It's true. It's true. And there's only so much you can forgive. Whilst they had Tom Savini on set, they should have just got him to uh, do special effects whilst he was at it. Did he not? Not that there was a problem with special effects. You know. Not that there was a problem with him, but, I mean, you know, Tom Savini's there. Come get him on board. Um, But I'm sure most of the budget went on the soundtrack because we get airborne. Too much, too young, too fast over the opening credits. You don't um, remember this song, do you? No, I really don't. I, this, this, I listened to this a lot in 2008. Did um, you? Yeah, they were just an ACDC rip-off, really. Well, that's what I've got. Generic ACDC <laughs> rip-off plays <laughs> with a beach montage. Yeah, so unlike the beach montage in the first film, this is 
Luna Bay, California this time around, looking really dark and dingy. Yeah. Um, it, it genuinely looks like the most depressing beach. It does. Um, but yeah, the, the soundtrack is not even close to the quality of the first film. Uh, but they have Eagles of Death Metal later on as well, and they, they were pretty big in 2008, you know. Um, really? Yeah. Do you remember Eagles of Death Metal? I remember Eagles of Death Metal, but only because of their connection to Queens of the Stone Age. Mm. Yeah, they couldn't quite get Queens of the Stone Age for this. Um, Chris Emerson, a young former surfing pro, and his younger sister Nicole. I say kids of Michael and Star, because when this first came out, you know, everything referred to them as their kids. Okay. It makes sense. They've got the same surname. They've got the same surname. Um, but then in the third film, it's not. It's not the case. Because the idea... Their, their parents have died in this film, mm. but they're not mentioned as being dead in, in the, third the third film. film. They're mentioned as being alive. Yeah. Now... This is one of many things... Also, how old are they meant to be in this film? Yeah, it's... it's. I don't know. The weird thing is, this film is full of plot holes and continuity errors, and it is a mess. The, the writing is an absolute mess. mess. You thought Ninja Terminator made no sense. You, you wait till we get into this. Okay. Um, but let's just say, you know, they're either, they're, well, they've either got to be kids of... Michael and Star or Sam. Okay. Because, you know, they're not going to be Diane Weiss' kids, they can't, are they? They can't be Sam's kid, because Sam, Sam was not even close to being old enough. No. The, these, this is the thing, is what I... I mean, the events of the film, the previous film, happened 21 years before. Mm. So, uh, the, their oldest, the oldest they can be... And that's if Michael and Star have kids straight away after meeting. Yeah. Um, and no mention of Laddie, but okay. No. Um, but the absolute oldest they could be is 21. Yeah. And do you get many 21-year-old surfing pros? What does the Retired thing? Retired surfing pros? There's been no thought put into this whatsoever. Like, if... They could have just gave him a different surname. Yeah. They don't have to be connected. Because it's not mentioned. Yeah. It's not dealt with. Yeah. So we're meant to... I swear, we're meant to assume it's Michael and Star, which makes no sense with what's about to happen next. They move to Luna Bay following the death of their parents to live in a house owned by the characterisation of a bizarre series of events. Aunt Gillian. Oh, God. Now, Michael and Sam didn't have a sister. No. And no. she is... an out, She is... Older, yeah. shall we say, then... Uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't... Nothing makes sense with this storyline. So, Tad, Like, she's definitely not Star's sister. No. Tad Hingle... Hilgenson. Mm. No, I just made that up. Why did I just make that up? His name is Tad Hilgenbrink. <laughs> Hilgenson? Who the fuck's Hilgenson? Um, he was 27... And you can tell. Yeah. We're so... Uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. This is also Why the same time... That surname? This is the same time when he was in the American Pie spin-off because he was a Sean William Scott lookalike. Yeah. Um, and he does look like him. Um, yeah. Nicole looks just as old as him. He's not older. No. It's so, it's so, the problem is, I can forgive it, but wh why, why give him these surnames yeah. and not deal with it? 
And mention it in the story. Like, make a point yeah. of their surnames. Because now we're just sat here dedicating far too much time on this podcast <laughs> to try to figure out who the fuck these people are. And then Edgar, you know, obviously... Big involvement with the Emersons in the original. Yeah. Like, was he not for a second? Oh, hang on. That's your surname. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Uh, aren't you so-and-so, sir? Aren't you? No, it doesn't. It's bullshit. It's you bullshit. You would have kept in touch as well. Exactly. He would have known who they are. Yeah. So what we're led to believe now is that they just happen to be called Emerson <laughs> for no apparent reason. Or, uh, or, or... Is this the part of the script that's meant to be the fucking remake? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, the first... One of the first lines of dialogue that um, budget Sean William Scott says is, Not bad. Not bad. Right, little sister? Uh, <laughs> you get it? It's like, cry, little sister. Yeah. The theme song. Aunt Gillian, um, as I said, you know, if anyone was to represent a bizarre series of events, it is this character because I don't know what the fuck she's doing. From the moment she's in, she's like, like she is just giving so much in that line delivery. (laughs) She's like the aunt from Sleepaway Camp. Oh, she's totally trying to be the aunt from Sleepaway (laughs) Camp. Um, Yeah, so Nicole has to pay Chris money because they had some sort of bet about how nice it would look or not. I don't know. Um, Aunt Julian greets them. She does the basic, oh, you were this high last time I saw you bullshit. Um, she pretends as if she was concerned when their parents died, (laughs) but seemingly hasn't seen them since it happened. So I don't understand how these things happen. And I'm assuming it's just in films where people have long lost aunts or uncles that allow them into their lives but never actually made any effort mm-hmm. before that point. Um, it's very strange, and I, I'm assuming it's just films and TV that does this, because it makes no sense. Seemingly, she's an estate agent. I'll tell you what she is. She's a bit of a bitch. She's um, she's, she's not very nice, and, and no. it's, it's kind of conflicting, because, I mean, you want to like someone with this much camp energy, but she's just not likeable in the slightest. And she's meant to be... She's the equivalent of the grandfather in the original... Yeah, um, slash the mother as well. Yeah, but nowhere near as likeable as either of them. No. Um, she shows into their shitty-looking little hut that's attached to her house. There's a kid called Scat um, and a random old man living in the back garden. Um, and Aunt Gillian... I didn't see the random old man. Yeah, he's just sitting there in a chair. I thought she said Scat, as in Scat. No, that's like the kid's Scatter. name. Oh, the kid's name she was to piss off. Scat... Yeah. Um, oh. She informs uh, Chris and Nicole that rent is $650 per month. Uh, and then it's like, don't forget, it's Gillian with a J. Yeah, and then she just fucks <laughs> off. Like, straight away, just fucks off. So this Karen... Uh, Karen? Karen. Karen. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> this character um, has been introduced as... I mean, seemingly, everything she said about being concerned about them was false. Yeah. Because she's like, rent is due, whatever. Gina with a J, I'm pissing off now, bye. <laughs> and goes. That's the character. That's how she's been established. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, when they get inside, Nicole is absolutely fuming that she has to sleep on a futon. And, uh... <laughs> Chris suggests getting another futon, a second-hand futon, and she's even more fuming. She's like, no, stop with the futons. 
We're then introduced to the town. Well, first, Chris finds deer antlers, finds oh, it hilarious, yeah. and put them on a wall. That could be useful later on, couldn't it? Uh, yeah, sorry. I, 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 the futon was, I thought, the most important part of that scene. My apologies. Uh, we're then introduced to the town, wherever it is. Uh, everyone looks like a throwback to the 80s, including <laughs> a large man reenacting Tim Capello's saxophone <laughs> performance from the first film. To great hilarity. To great hilarity. He's not muscly, he's fat. Yeah. Um, and he's doing the thrust and hips and everything. Isn't it funny because he's not in shape? Um, yeah. Do you see some drug dealing as well? Oh, do you? Oh, I missed Just that. Just to, as, oh as an ev- more evidence that... Oh uh, it's a shithole. Um, but yeah, the Tim Capella thing's just not funny. Why can't they just get Tim Capella? He wasn't doing much. <laughs> I know, he would have loved to have really He, he would have fucking him. loved that. I mean, I don't think Tina Turner was on tour in 2008. No, I don't think she? so. We're introduced to Evan uh, with his very 2008 haircut and very 2008 stripy shirt. Oh, yeah. So I um, he's chatting up Nicole. Yeah. And uh, I said, a very 2008 looking dude named Evan who looks like every pop-punk bass player. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants to be Pete Wentz. Um, totally wants to be Pete Wentz. Yeah, he asks her for the time whilst he's got a watch on to great hilarity. Um, <laughs> whilst the guy working in the surfboard shop uh, starts complimenting Chris on the surfboarding skills, giving us some uh, exposition that Chris is a surfboarder. Yes. Um, so, the, the dude... Working behind the till, who seemingly owns the shop, yeah. the surf shop, because he um, says, oh, well, we don't need anyone at the moment mm. here. We're all set. Looks about 14 he years does. old. <laughs> <laughs> so young. Yeah, he, um, after, you know, sucking off Chris and going on about how great he is, uh, Chris asks him for a job. He's like, no, we ain't got no Ikea. Um, but if you uh, go in the direction of the Frog Brothers, and that oh, they're both coming back. Oh, my God. You bring about both of them? No, it's just one of them. I don't know why the fuck he says Frog Brothers. Well, that's the name of the business. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So the, the business is Frog Brothers, and the business is shaping surfboards. Yeah. So Chris wants a job shaping surfboards. I'm assuming shaping surfboards is just making surfboards. I think so. Chris leaves his address at the home um, of Edgar Frog. Oh, yeah. So Chris and Nicole pull up to a random trailer, um, the Frog Brothers, but no one is there. So Chris leaves their address. Yeah. Uh, stuck to the door, never met this person. Yeah. Um, the trailer is surrounded by a white circle and barbed wire all around the fucking yeah. windows. It's a random, you know, surf shop guy who's recommended it, but he gives his address. And yeah. Nicole, Nicole is aware of how stupid that is. Yeah. And she has a callback to the first film. She's like, oh, okay, leave it at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre trailer. Yes. So, yeah, Chris is a fucking idiot. Um, and (laughs) Nicole, half of the film is the brainy one, um, until she gets dignitized and then... Yeah, it's true. Then it all goes to part. So, Nicole tries out the shower, back at home. Yeah. As Chris has a long (laughs) reminisce by the ocean. Who stands in his doorway at first and imagines going surfing. Yeah. He's by the ocean with generic surfing montage... (laughs) That looks like the opening credits for Home and Away. 
it goes from light to dark. So when he leaves <laughs> his home, it's light. When he's t- the tail end of his little reminisce, it's dark. He's then joined by... The worst part of the, the film. The worst part of the film. <laughs> I'm sorry to that man, but his the, the acting from whoever plays... Shane Powers. The former pro surfer Shane Powers. Former pro what a surfer fucking Shane name. Powers. What a name. It's not good. I'm sorry, mate. I do apologise. Angus Sutherland. The, the brother of Kiefer. Star of the original. Oh, my God. Um, oh, I don't apologise then. I'm sorry. If you're from an acting family, you should have a bit more practice before this. Yeah, there's, I think there's a reason why he probably gets the least roles out of all the Sutherlands. Um... Yeah, Shane Powers invites him to a party. Well, no, the the weird thing is that Shane Powers turns up, stands there staring at him, (laughs) and then then when Chris stares back, he goes, take a photo, it lasts longer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're giving way too much credit there. His line delivery is fucking lifeless. I know he's meant to be a vampire, but this is lifeless. But he's literally just stared at him. And then he briefly stares back, and he's the one with the problem, and Chris's like, oh, sorry, dude. Yeah, he's... It, Are you Shane Powers? His line delivery is just like, sorry, did I scare you? Yeah, take a picture, it'll last longer. I'm having a surf party. You should cruise over, meet the rest of the guys, they're killer. It's like, are you fucking serious? I've never heard line delivery like it. <laughs> So then Chris returns home, and it looks like Nicole's just got out of the shower. <laughs> yeah, that is a long that shower. That's a fucking long shower. That's very Come on, much... save any, uh, come on, <laughs> avoiding uh, global warming. Saving the environment. Saving the environment. There we go. Um, yeah, so she looks like she's fresh out of the shower. She's um, got one of, she's got a towel on her head, hasn't she? Yeah. Um, and she's absolutely desperate to go to the party. Yeah, Chris is not having it. Well, Chris doesn't think that she should go, but he kind of says that he should go. So what he suggests is she stays at home after he's given his address to a complete (laughs) stranger that he's never met, never seen... And he's going to leave her home alone. Can we just also acknowledge that their parents have just died? And yeah. not only do neither of them seem bothered, he wants to leave her alone. Yeah. Like, okay, just move to this absolute shithole. Like, we live in a dump. Stay here for the night on your own whilst I go out and party. Yeah, exactly. Who the fuck put him in charge anyway? Aunt Gillian with a J um, brings them the Goonies on DVD <laughs> and introduces it by saying, I have got the Goonies. <laughs> and obviously it's an in-joke because Corey Feldman yeah. starred in the Goonies but they took one look at the Goonies and like ah oh, no fuck that we're going to the party <laughs> like, she had Dunkin Donuts as well I know I would have been like yeah no I'm staying we can watch the Goonies like yeah we're going out well, that's a bit rude to the Goonies <laughs> um, we're intro- as we're introduced to the party in a very the, generic way the sexy very 2008 teen movie party every woman is either in a bikini or topless uh, women aren't treated very well in this film uh, no, are they no not particularly um, 
And, yeah, so at this party, every man is fully dressed, but pretty much none of the women are. Yeah. Um, a guy at the bar... Oh, what was... He's, he's part of the group, wasn't he? The dude... His name Kyle. Which one? The one who's rude to Chris at the bar. John. Uh, John. Him and Kyle look the exact same. They look so. exactly the same. So confusing. Uh, generic John is at the bar um, making drinks... He seemingly knows Chris um, and Nicole. Well, how do we know this? Because he's really sleazy towards Nicole. He says, Chris fucking Emerson and his hot little piece of ass sister. Yeah. Just um, a name. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Chris is fuming. Nicole is, I don't know what she is. Embarrassed by the whole thing. It's weird. I don't know what emotions are being exchanged here. Um, Even from John. Like, between John and Nicole, you can't tell if they're having a laugh or if they're actually angry at each other. Because he's like, oh, yeah, get your fucking ass and tits out way. And she's like, oh, you're a fucking asshole. Um, But it's just like, uh, what what are you doing? What's going on? Yeah, it's confusing. Um, But then when she storms off, you can see she's maybe being serious. Um... Yeah, it's it's a weird scene. So they both storm off. Um, Chris is staring at some belly dancing woman. Yeah. Uh, he's by a fire pit. Nicole pushes Chris to flirt with her, um, which eventually results in him just staring at her awkwardly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but when Nicole pushes Chris to... Stand closer to her and yeah. stare at her awkwardly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes off. Uh, Evan goes to chat her up, but is stopped by the uh, naughty, sweary surf dudes. And uh, one of them's got a knife, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Nicole actually goes off with Shane Powers. And uh, Chris's staring works with the belly dance. Well, yeah, she's still dancing and he like, stands right up close to her and just yeah. stares still. Um, and then they go and have shower sex. They do. Well, she says, I don't follow surfing. I follow surfers. And sometimes <laughs> they follow me. And Chris does follow her <laughs> straight into the shower for some shower sex. Uh, Nicole, in one of the rooms, tells her whole life story to Shane. <laughs> like, seriously. Now, when this happened, this happened. And then this is how Chris felt. This is how I felt. I feel like I <laughs> coped with the death of my parents better than Chris did. Like, oh my God. You've only just met this bloke. Oh, yeah, definitely. She appreciate life more. Oh, she goes on, she goes on about that. And then about he's that. like, okay, I've heard enough now. Here's a rose. Look at this rose. Come back to life in your hand. Oh, it's magic. Drink my blood. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, Jesus Christ, this guy. Like, he fails to emote in any way whatsoever. Like, he just made a fucking rose, a dead rose come back to life. Um, Nicole's a bit excited. He can give a shit. And then he just forces her to drink his blood. And I say force very lightly because she doesn't... Well, he... he well, the thing is, he just... He hands over a flask, doesn't he? Mm. A hip flask. And uh, she drinks from it. She feels a bit funny afterwards. But he didn't, he didn't say what it is. Um, I'm assuming he's masked it in some way with some sort of alcohol. Um, yeah, so she feels a bit weird. Um, Kyle... Is this one Kyle or John? This one's Kyle. Kyle's the comic relief, isn't he? Yeah, with his camcorder. With his camcorder. So Kyle gets stabbed... 
by, by Eric. Eric. And his intestines fall out. And he's absolutely fuming. Mm-hmm. Starts chasing Eric around. They're recording it on a camcorder. He's not dead, obviously, because he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the girls around are screaming. Um, because that's what girls do. And no one thought to call the police. No. Um, well, I think he's still alive. Uh, we don't see him push his intestines back in, but... We see him try to. Yeah. Great hilarity. He's absolutely fuming, though, because he was trying to get laid. And now he ain't going to get laid with his intestine, intestines intestines hanging out of his body. Yeah. Um, the screaming from the bikini ladies uh, prompts Chris to leave the shower um, yeah, to see he, if his sister is okay. He's, he tells Lisa he's got to go and check on his sister and she's like, oh, you're into incest. I can get into that. Oh, what oh, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Shane takes Nicole for a romantic <laughs> motorbike ride set to Dizzy by Jackpot. <laughs> the Shane takes Nicole for a ride on his motorbike. They go to the ocean, they kiss, and then they just run back. <laughs> they don't even fucking know. They don't have a heart to heart. They don't do anything at the ocean. He yeah. doesn't pick up a shell or anything to give to her what it- to be romantic. They just, they're on the bike. They go to the ocean. We see them go all the way on this fucking bike, get to the ocean, kiss. And then return to the fucking party. It's probably a good job they didn't speak. I mean, she's already told him her entire life story. And he doesn't know how to talk like a human being, so... That's true. Um, He just had enough of listening to her. (laughs) When Chris learns that Nicole has been with Shane, he angrily and protectively takes her home after punching Shane in the face. This is weird. This is... Um, there's something that's not really dealt with actually in the film, but this weird double standard where yeah. Chris can hop into the shower with anyone he likes mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat, but she can't have a little bit of a snog by the ocean Yeah, on a motorbike. She can't have a bit of cake by the ocean. Mm. <laughs> um, she begins to manifest vampiric strength from rage. Um, when they go back home, but before Nicole can kill Chris, she is knocked out by Edgar Wright. Um, with a surfboard. With a surfboard. Who, uh... Surfboard. He's like, Edgar Rock. Uh, Edgar Rock. Edgar Frog. Surfboard shaper of Vampire Hunter. <laughs> um, and, uh... Yeah, that's his big intro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. So, actually, it's quite fortunate that, um... He gave his address. What's not fortunate is... How long Edgar Frog must have been hiding in the house for? <laughs> like, how long was he there for? <laughs> Chris throws him out, um, and he's like, "Sure, funeral, pal." Um, was another call back to the original, and he, just from this first scene, he's—I want to call it overacting, but he's just doing what he did in nineteen eighty-seven. But it means as an adult, it, it does come across as overacting, but it's—it's it's entertaining it's to the watch, voice, isn't it? It's like <laughs> Barry fucking White. <laughs> Um, after Edgar leaves, the, the house is very popular that night. Lisa shows up. She does. Um, and gets Chris to invite her in before they make out and she tries feeding on him. Um, in fending her off, he accidentally impales her on the mounted rack of antlers from earlier, uh, killing her when she turns to stone and explodes. Yes, which is very convenient for the clean-up, isn't it? <laughs> so it doesn't, doesn't have to explain any of it to anyone. He just puts the, uh, the... The rubble in the bin. 
<laughs> Whereas every other vampire in the film goes out yeah, in massive no one bloody else, mess. No one else turns to no stone. No one else turns to stone. It's just her because this is convenient for the story. <laughs> um, also, obviously, very much... Uh, Silent Night, Daddy Night. Yeah, which is very much Texas Chainsaw Mask. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, um, so it was, uh, yeah, all right, deaths. Yeah, like everything else, and it, like all the other deaths in the film, it looks great. Yeah. Um, if only they put as much effort into the story, and the writing, and Angus Sutherland's acting. <laughs> Finally, can yeah. So this is excuse me, sorry, but this is daytime now. I yeah. Want to reiterate that Chris goes to visit the Edgar next day in the daytime, supposedly. Yes. Um. Finally convinced of the situation, remembering what Edgar said. Oh, yes, I had in my notes of Edgar Wright... Uh, Edgar Wright... Fucking hell! Why am I getting my Edgars mixed up? It is not the director of Sean the Dead. <laughs> Edgar Frog. Edgar um, Frog. Corey Feldman did say that Nicole's vampire when he turned up at the house. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh. That's one tiny bit of puzzle solved. How does he know? Um, and, uh, yeah, Chris believes he's right, so he seeks his help. Edgar explains that Nicole is a suck monkey, uh, but only a half vampire, and will remain that way unless she feeds. And she can be turned again, uh, turned to human again if they killed a head vampire before that. Edgar tells Chris he knows all he needs to know about vampires through comic books before showing him some issues of Destroy All Vampires with scenes of the first film in it. Um, yeah, is, is Chris really in a place to be questioning this? Because... He has literally just seen that his sister tried to eat him. And yeah. also, the girl he was fucking very much turned into a vampire, turned to stone and exploded. Well, his sister had the strength to lift him off the ground. Yeah. He never really seemed surprised by that. Um, considering he's always so con- condescending to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think he has any right to be sceptical, does he? No. Wait, well, why the fuck is he sceptical but still going to Edgar's... I know! Why are you there, then? I don't then? get it. Like, why, why are you there? Why, if you don't believe it? Uh, Ed- it's really rude as well. Yeah. To, to great hilarity, Edgar makes himself a drink, uh, and Chris is disgusted and asks what it is. It's frog juice, garlic, holy water, and raw eggs. Lovely. It's now night time again. Yeah. And Nicole is now awake. Yeah, she's doing uh, a little bit of a wander around the house because yeah. it's a jump scare. I don't know how long she was asleep for. Um, she seems hungry. She's in the fridge. She's out there. Um, and she calls Evan. Yeah. Who, for some reason, his number was in a bookmark. It was being used as a bookmark <coughs> for some reason. Um, and, like, halfway through the book as well. Yeah. It was like... Has she been reading all this time? Like, she only met Evan, what, a few hours before? That's true. It's very confusing, the timeline. Anyway, Evan brings some wine. He also brings an ugly pink shirt and a fucking tie. He does. He does. (laughs) Yeah, a really really wrinkly shirt as well. Has not been ironed. Uh, Nicole starts making out with him straight away. And they start to get frisky. But before Nicole can bite him... Chris returns and throws Evan out with his wife. Yeah, and he, he, he puts a crucifix up to uh, he does. up to Nicole, which Evan doesn't question at all. Um, no, not really. No, he doesn't seem to have an issue. John starts to stalk Evan as he leaves. 
Chris explains to Nicole what's happening to her, telling her that the wine Shane gave her was blood. How the fuck did he know that Shane gave her wine? Exactly. She At no point did she say that Shane gave her any kind of drink. So when him and Edgar were talking about uh, vampire folklore, they said either being bitten by a vampire or drinking the blood of a vampire. Yeah. So, okay, so she, she has got no visible bite marks. So the assumption is that she's drank, you know, vampire blood. But who's to say it's Shane's? Who's to say that, you know, she had any kind of drink from him? And also, she didn't know what the drink was. She no. literally said, what is this? And he didn't say whether it was... We didn't say what it was. Yeah. So and who has wine in a fucking hip yeah. flask? No one has wine in a hip flask. But she's horrified to find out that she nearly ate Evan because she's a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it feels like to want to drink blood? I'm a vegetarian. Um, Edgar is chased through a very poorly lit... Edgar? Edgar. Who the fuck is this? Evan. Evan. Evan is chased through a poorly lit area and dragged off screen. There's a lot of dry ice. an invisible force. We get some dry ice, don't we? We get, get some nice dry <laughs> ice. Very teleclips of the heart. Um, yeah. Now, two weeks later... Yeah. Now, I've got that written down. How do we know it's two weeks Edgar later? Edgar and... Chris says, says to Edgar, Chris says it, yeah. it's been two weeks now. Yeah, it's been two weeks now. Yes, he does. He does, doesn't yeah. he? So, Chris and Edgar chat. Um, Edgar reveals he lost his sibling to the vampires. Um, throwaway line for who was pretty much a major part of his character in the first film, but whatever. Yeah. Um, then They were together. They were brothers. They were yeah. like, inseparable. They plot for Chris to join the tribe of vampires in order to learn the location of their lair. Yeah. So, essentially what they're saying... Um, this is this is confusing, to be fair, because Edgar says, well, they know how you think before you've even thought it. Um, and he says stuff like, oh, you're going to have to be led to the brink. And then you're gonna have to come back again. Yeah. And if you if you uh, go over the edge, I'm gonna have to kill you. Yeah. And shit like that. FYI, it's a really simple process. Yeah. So they hatch <laughs> their plan. So the idea is that Chris needs to be uh, to drink the blood, and become half vampire like his sister, get into the gang, and then betray them. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't Nicole just do this? I know. I know. Because after this, this is when she gets stigmatised. Yeah. Um, Kyle and Eric are playing a video game. And Eric films Nicole's ass as she enters their lair. Uh, and Kyle stabs him to great hilarity. Um, but meanwhile, yeah, Cry Little Sister plays. And Shane draws Nicole to the vampire lair. And they have sex, which is nowhere near as stylish as the sex scene in the original. Oh, my God. Boring. Nowhere near enough floaty curtains. And to no one's surprise, Shane struggles to look like he's enjoying it. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't even know he's having sex. His his face, it's just, you know, there's no, nothing there. It's not good. Um, But yeah, so at this point, she's dignitized. And from this point onwards, until roughly the last five, ten minutes, she doesn't say a single word. No. Does not say a single word. No. She is just left to be in some character in the background that doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, 
Chris goes to the police yep. to register Nicole as a missing person, but the police don't really care. And they, they don't. He, he, he's literally like, oh, we've got loads of missing people cases. And uh, he says, well, you, you can just go. Yeah, and there's no evidence to say that the last time, you know, that the last time Chris saw her wasn't in the morning. Exactly. Well, like, why is he no... registering her as missing? Yeah, there was no, there was nothing to suggest that she's been missing for the whole two weeks. Mm-hmm. It, it's she's not. at home. She's at yeah. home when he when he's talking to Edgar. She's at home in bed. Yeah, and that's when and then she gets lured. Yeah, like gather young children. <laughs> um, <laughs> gather young children. Don't start this shit again. That's not the lyrics. You've heard it enough times today. It's the film from Hocus Pocus. Uh, the song from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Chris tries to report. Uh, yeah. Possibly blah blah whatever. Yeah. John shows up to the police station and uh, whistles the Olden Towers theme song, um, which seems <laughs> to be an ongoing thing throughout the rest of the film. Is oh, is it the, the, the Hall of the Goblin King or, so, or something? In the Hall of the Mountains or some <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So very, conven- <laughs> very conveniently, Chris is picked up from the police station by John. Yeah. Who was before this point his sworn enemy? Yeah, no one liked him. His sis, yeah, his sisters with them, but he doesn't know where his sister is. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find the hideout so that they can kill whatever his name is, Shane. Yeah, and conveniently, he's led straight to it. Yes, yeah. like, they're literally right outside. Like, come on, mate. Can we, let me show you uh, our secret hideout. Yeah, it is the, the most simplistic process. Yeah. There's... It's all done for him. Yeah. Um, well, when he gets there, he's like to Shane, he's like, oh, sorry about last night, man. Referring to when he punched Shane. Yeah. Supposedly two weeks ago. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with the editing or the writing? It's the writing. Like, how can... How can they expect us to believe that that was last night when it, they said exactly. it was two weeks ago? The problem is, and it's like I said, you can forgive this stuff and you can be like, oh, you know, it, it's a B-movie, it's a horror film, I'm here to enjoy myself. But when this shit continues, continually happens, it takes you out of the film. And it's like, oh, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, and after this, Shane gives the really boring exposition about his boys. He's like, Carl's parents thought he was suicidal, but he's an adrenaline junkie. The less said about Eric, the better. And John shattered his knee. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. That, we really needed that. Thank you. They just chat shit about joining a family. And apparently the first step <laughs> to joining the family is getting on bikes and skateboards. <laughs> Quoting the Warriors <laughs> and genuinely annoying the police. Yeah. So they literally go to the police station. They're knocking on the window. They're like doing skids out front on their motorbikes, just being annoying. And the police, two car, two police cars, then chase them in a prolonged car chase sequence. Yeah. And... Eventually, they end up, like, hitting into each other, don't they? And yeah. the police are foiled and like, oh, we'll get you, kids. And, uh, and that shit. They put more effort into that 
than he did any of those motherfucking missing people. It's true. And it's all set to Don't Speak, I Came to Make a Bang by Eagles of Death Metal. <laughs> but you're kind of... Like, like whose side are we on then? Because it's kind of like... Because the policeman was so dismissive earlier and was such a twat, you kind of are on the vampire side. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. you get the police. Ah, fuck, fuck those pigs. Yeah, fuck you. Um, but aren't we meant to be against Shane and the vampires because they're killing people and they're the reason for all these missing people. Yeah. In a bizarre series of events, Chris drives home whilst Airborne's playing again. Um, Aunt Gillian with a J is fuming because Chris's check has bounced. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) she's disgusted by their behaviour. And again, I stress, in a bizarre series of events, she cannot believe Nicole... Had a boy over last night. Bitch, it has been over two weeks. Yeah. What are you doing? What is this? Yeah. Like, what is this? Even, let's say, um, the two weeks line wasn't meant to be there. And let's say it was last night that Shane got punched and whatever. That was not the same night that Evan came over. There was no. a day in between. And he's just reported Nicole as a missing person. Yeah. Why is Aunt Gillian not concerned about Nicole being a missing person? Well, she's not. She was there last like, night, apparently. What is she on when she saw Nicole the night yeah. previous? It's just... It's just bad so writing. Out of, it's, it's really out of place. Yeah. Um, and then, of course... And then she's like, how old is she anyway? Sleeping all day? Partying all night? You both need to quit acting like a couple of vampires. <gasps> oh, my God. She's right. We get a time lapse of Chris sleeping um, before... <laughs> what was the point of that? Before Shane picks him up um, with his surfboard whilst Aunt Gillian with a J watches from the window. Mm. Chris asks the boys about vampire stereotypes to see which ones are true uh, and then he's given Shane's blood to drink and he starts to, to uh, develop vampire traits which is basically a bit of fast editing of his head shaking. Uh-huh. Chris, Kyle, Eric and John uh, meet up with some girls on the beach whilst Shane and uh, the one I forgot about, Nat Nicole, um, just stand in the background and watch. And uh, Kyle says, all right, girls, show me something I can't find on YouTube. Show me something I can't get in my Girls Gone Wild box set. So he takes his camcorder, he films the girls flashing their boobs, showing their asses off and making out. Yes. Um, I per the women are objectified and then eaten. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Um, no. Because I don't know where the women have come from. Because they weren't in the car with them. No. They were just already there at the, at the fire. Um, it's night time. It looks quite cold, but the women are in their bikinis. Of course. Um, yeah. And then, then they're just eaten. Yeah. Uh, Shane, Chris, Shane and Nicole go back to the lair. They do. Chris, well, Chris allows his girl to get away but John stops her mm-hmm. doesn't he yeah um he bites her well eats eats her, eats really, her. Or whatever um I don't know what the difference between a bite and an eat is in this film um but whatever um he's fuming with Chris um Chris ends up stabbing him with a stick in the chest and killing him mm-hmm 
Um, well, it caused him to vomit blood and jizz by the looks of it. Yeah, it is. Very uh, at dawn asleep. It was a bit sleep. spunky, wasn't it? Um, the other two are absolutely fuming, but Edgar turns up uh, <laughs> and chases them off. After saying, hey, who ordered the steak? Who ordered the steaks? And then a very funny fast edit of Kyle and Eric running away. Um, yeah. Edgar makes some holy water balloons. As Chris asks questions, he really should already know the answer. But what are to. you doing? Like, how, why are you, are you asking this? Is this? How, why, how are you allowed to do this? What's this? Who is this? What's holy water do? Oh, no, no, no. Shut the fuck up. Edgar We're t- too far into this film for you to be asking these fucking <laughs> questions. Edgar tells Chris he's a reverend and was ordained online <laughs> before, uh, before going through his vampire killing guy itinerary with him. Um... And they go to the lair, where Shane takes Nicole um, further into the lair and reveals that he's kidnapped Evan for her to feed on. Yes. Um, this makes absolutely no sense. For some stupid reason, she is reluctant to do it. Yeah. Even though she was going to bite him <laughs> when they were making out. She was going to bite him off her own back not too long yeah. ago. She was actually stopped by Chris. From doing the thing she's now refusing to do. Um, and the idea, and this this is the stupid part, is that if it's been two weeks, I don't understand, because of her behaviour and how she was dickmatised, she probably should have fed before this point yeah. anyway. And has Evan been in there for two weeks? Apparently. Apparently, he's been in there for two weeks. The timeline's fucked. Um, but also the character of Nicole, it makes no sense. No. Because she was all for it. She was all for being a vampire. She was going to bite Evan anyway. And now suddenly she's reluctant to do so because it, you know, helps the plot. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of consistency, people. Yeah. It... And if she was so reluctant to do this and she did have misgivings, if Edgar and Chris had actually included her in anything, mm-hmm. then she may have been the one to eventually, um, you know, turn on Shane. Yeah. So Chris and Edgar didn't even have to get involved. It was like, oh, do you want Nicole, love? You, you turn on him, kill him, and everyone will be fine. Great. Problem solved. Yeah. End of film. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> it just annoys me. It pisses me off. <laughs> Eric grabs Chris, takes him further into the lair without Edgar realising. Uh, he tries to kill him with a large drill, but Chris turns it on him and Excuse kills me. him. <laughs> he, uh, he he charges at him and Chris turns the drill around. And that's the end of Eric. That is the end of Eric, because they forgot Eric existed and they just had to. <laughs> I, I mean, did they even use his name? I had to... Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't catch it when they used his name. Uh, Edgar kills Kyle with a holy water balloon to the head yeah. that makes his head explode. Um, um, very much giving me the start of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, which leads to him saying, uh, Pop goes the weasel. Uh, much to Nicole's horror, Shane and Chris start fighting. They're all vamped up now, aren't they? They're all vamped up. They're all... That's how they looked in fairness. And again, it it doesn't look shit. No. Vampire makeup. It doesn't actually look too bad. It's quite in keeping with the original. Um, yeah, so she's horrified that they keep fighting. She eventually stakes Shane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shane goes, Nicole, why? <laughs> she's like, he's family, asshole. 
<laughs> like, you didn't care about that five minutes ago. Didn't care. <laughs> didn't care. Uh, Chris then decapitates Shane because... Um, uh, who bursts... So Chris then decapitates Shane, who bursts into <laughs> flames, because Lord forbid a woman has the final saving moment in this film. Uh, Edgar says, give him a... Stop. Stop. <laughs> Edgar says... Give a man, oh, give a man fire, and he'll be warm for the day. Light a man on fire, and he'll be warm for the rest of his life. He then says, "You'll be getting a bill for my services," and slowly walks away yeah. from Nicole and Edgar. <laughs> then we cut to, to Edgar driving Chris, Nicole. And Evan in his truck. <laughs> so he's done this. So he's, so he's. You'll be getting a bill for my services. Walks away from the scene to what? Wait at the doorway Wait. for them? <laughs> Look, come on, I'll give you a lift home. Um, yeah, um... Chris thanks him for his help, Chris, and, uh, Chris thanks him for his... Evan takes the opportunity to ask Nicole if he can call us sometime, and she no. says he can. Yeah, Nicole agrees to a date with Evan, which he is elated by, because that's all that really matters in the end. <laughs> At home, they're confronted by Aunt Gillian with a J, whilst they're covered in blood. Uh, it's great hilarity. She thinks they've been doing drugs and promises zero tolerance. Which well, is marijuana, isn't it? Oh, and you bet I can smell it. I know what it smells like. If I <laughs> smell it, I'm going to call the police. Well, the police don't do fuck all anyways. <laughs> call the police, bitch. Um, and then in a mid credit scene, Ooh. Edgar encounters Sam Emerson, now a vampire, from the first film. Um, they exchange some dialogue about a bit of history they've had. How some stuff has happened between them. And they charge at each other as the credits resume to knuckles by the holy steady. The hold steady, I think that's meant to be. The holy steady. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so the mid-credits gives us a storyline way more interesting than... Oh, my God, way more The rest of the thing. Way more interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very... I mean, women are treated awfully in the film. Yeah. They are... <sighs> They are second-class citizens throughout. It's really shit. Um, the film gets muddled, way too muddled. Yeah. Uh, the acting isn't... <laughs> Corey Feldman might actually be the best actor in the film. I think he is. If he, Because I know what he's going for, mm. and what he's going for, he actually does quite successfully. Now, I don't think anyone else in that cast has watched Lost Boys. No. I no, really don't. No. Like, you got him, he's there, he's prepared to do a sequel, he knows what he's doing, but then everyone else is just like... They just couldn't give a shit. Yeah. Well, we watched we watched Starship Troopers mm. only last night. Uh, loved it, by the way. Um, but we sat there and, and we were like, none of these actors know what this film is. None of these actors know this is a satire and it works. Yeah. Whereas with Lost Boys to Thirst, I don't think it's, any it's of the... The tribe. Act, the tribe. The tribe. But whatever. Both, it's really. Fucking, <laughs> whatever. It's one whole film mashed together, whatever. Um, but the, the, what is it? The tribe. The tribe, excuse me. Um, the actors don't realise what they need to do. Corey Feldman is the only one. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Uh, the, the special effects are great. They they really are. And it is it is a gory film. Yeah. It really is. Um, which is totally the opposite of what the original was. Um, but then it sacrifices oh, good filmmaking elsewhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, the cinematography is so fucking dull. So um, dull. Very dull. The, the soundtrack is... Naff, um, you know, the script could have been written by a child. Um, the editing, it's, it's just a mess. It's just an absolute mess. But, you know, some decent practical effects and Corey Feldman's got a certain amount of charm surrounding his performance. So, not a write-off completely, but pretty fucking close. It, it'd have been, that would have been a half star if it wasn't for Corey Feldman and no special effects. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's not the best film. No. And that brings us to Lost Boys, the first, released in 2010. Directed by Dario Piana, uh, the director of Too Beautiful to Die and The Deaths of Ian Stone. Made on a budget of $4.4 million and again straight to DVD. Yes, this one was definitely straight to DVD. This... Even more so than the previous one. Yeah. For me... This one, I mean, I was, I didn't mind the tribe back in the day. I gave, I gave it like three out of five stars initially. Don't judge me. 1.5 now. Um, but. It's my effect. It, it was still disappointing. It was still disappointing because obviously how much I loved the original. So I, I actually didn't give a shit about this. It just happened. It came out and I had no expectations for it whatsoever, but I watched it and I enjoyed it more than the tribe. Um. I could say the same this time. I feel like the plot's better. Um, There's more to yes, follow. It's not plot, messy. It's more coherent. Um, yeah, the plot, it's not just a rehash of the original. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd probably put them on par because in this one, the, the effects are good. The effects are good. It's just less of them. Yeah. It's, you know... It's not as gory or over the top as the um, the second one. Yeah. Um, despite turning down a role in this film, Corey Haim announced he would be taking part in a fourth instalment, uh, but he died, sadly, uh, before anything could come of the project. Which is a shame. Yeah. Um, the final instalment of the original Lost Boys trilogy, this was supposed to have a follow-up trilogy featuring the Frog Brothers, fighting off werewolves and a TV series... All of which Corey Feldman and Jameson Newlander were uh, set to return. However, Warner Premier, the studio behind the latter two sequels, went bust, and all the Lost Boys franchise plans were dropped. TV series, yeah, with the two of them, killing vampires mm-hmm. would have worked. Yeah, would have worked. Maybe in the early nineties, a bit more when they were young. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. The Lost Boys the original was a bit fresher. That would have worked. Yeah. Um, I still think it would have worked in twenty ten. Oh, um, it's a great idea. I I feel, I feel it's kind of like what people want, the two Insidious dudes to have. Yeah. Um, with Lin Shay as well, uh-huh. actually. Um, I feel like that kind of duo fighting a different kind of supernatural entity each week 
mm-hmm. works. Yeah. And do you know what? I've actually just described the TV series Supernatural. Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it, would, it works. It yeah. works. I mean, Supernatural, when I, I, I've never seen it. I used to love Supernatural, and it's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know? If they put the Frog Brothers in a, a scenarios like that, you know, with different types of entities and killers and whatnot. Make it a pure great. comedy. Yeah, it, it, it really would have been great. It would have. There has been, since this, there has been, I don't think it's in the trivia, but there's been rumours of a Lost Boys TV series that takes place over different decades. Oh, okay. In Santa Carla. Yeah. Um, vampires from different decades. Obviously, David would be amongst those um, mm-hmm. and the vampires from the original, which I'm not against. No. It'd be good. Mm. The opening uh, in the first, which includes Alan and Edgar battling vampires in the White House, is directly taken from the comic book series Lost Boys, Reign of Frogs. Yes, oh. I did own it. Did you? Uh, a few issues of it, yeah. Was that and, any good? Oh, it was great. But it just it got lost in the move. I used to have... Uh, the Evil Dead comic books, Hellraiser, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He had a great collection. Oh. But it all got lost somewhere. Oh, no. Uh, however, in the comics, it's revealed the entire story is a fabrication from Edgar. And uh, whilst in this film, it seems true. It is the truth and leads to other things. Um, ridiculous opening. It really is, but it's very entertaining. It is, yes. Due to poor critical response of Lost Boys, the tribe being too different from its predecessor, Corey Feldman is promoted to the main character, uh, whereas previously he was just a supporting character, and of course they've, get, they've got Jameson Newlander returning as Island Frog. And finally, Megan Fox expressed interest in appearing in a Lost Boys film, uh, though she stated she preferred it to be a remake of the original where she plays Star. And that would be... Perfect casting. That would be perfect casting. Like, that is true. It really would be. Yeah. And I hope that happens because she never ages anyway. So. No, she doesn't, no. <laughs> and they could maybe flesh out the character a little more. Yeah. That would be interesting. So, getting into our second film of the episode, multi-arrow crossbow check. Holy water grenade launcher ready. Stake shooting M134, got that too. Edgar Frog is locked and loaded for his bloodiest badass battle yet with the undead. <laughs> it's the official plot summary. Yes, this is very much Edgar Frog's film. Yeah. It's probably more of an action horror, isn't it? Really? It is. Uh, with him in the lead, in the driving seat. Yes, we start five years ago uh, in Washington, D.C., which the title card reveals is the other murder capital. <laughs> Edgar and Alan Frog interrupt a half-vampire senator who is killing a congressman with his fake teeth to finish his transformation. Yes. To which Alan says, holy shit, it's the attack of Grandpa Munster. <laughs> yeah, he's got his dentures, isn't he? <laughs> In the ensuing chaos, Alan is forced to drink vampire blood, which will make him a half-vampire. Ooh. And then Edgar wakes up five years later. It, it is a great opening scene. Uh, it's not too much... It is too ridiculous, but yeah, that's why it it's works. It's silliness, isn't it? It's silly. The idea of vampires in the White House, it's, it's funny. Yeah, and the idea of the Frog Brothers dealing with it as well. Yeah. Like, that's the sort of shit you'd want to see in a TV series. That is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Going around the country, going to different places, like the Grand Canyon, Washington, D.C., you know, would would have been great. Um, five years later, Edgar wakes up to a vampire Bugs Bunny cartoon on the TV. Yes. Um, strange coincidence, probably. 
it is kind of weird that he would, he would wake up and the exact same car, the exact cartoon that's on the TV features a vampire. Yes, Warner Brothers are like, oh look, we have the rights for Looney Tunes. Yeah, there so you go. Um, yeah, he's in San Casador, California. Yeah, so he's moved. Yeah. Um, he's visited by a guy from the bank, giving him his eviction notice, and says, fucking vampires. <laughs> yeah. Um, for no reason, seemingly. Um, well, no, vampires. They're the bank, sucking the blood oh, from yeah, people I suppose. with their money. We get opening credits with rave music, um, stills from the comic books, blood being splattered on a white background, and a rave taking place. So, there's, uh, I mean... You know, the main thing here with both these films is the first one, the whole ridiculousness of the fact that we've got surfing vampires, skateboarding vampires, and this time around, we have raving vampires. Yeah. I feel like that's their selling points. Well, I think, yeah, I think somebody watched Blade. Blade, yeah. And thought, oh, do you know what, bitch? Let's just do that. Yeah, for the whole Corey film. Corey Feldman in the lead. Yeah, I mean, industrial rave music. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Blade with the splashed blood against a white background? I feel like in Blade it was like I think steam coming work. off it. Or was it Blade 2? I swear, like the credits have just like blood splashing. Oh, You're thinking of Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, am I? <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> Yes, I am. Yeah, that's Freddy vs. Jason. The opening scene of Blade is the rave scene, um, which is very much... Even the opening credits. I thought, oh, no, shit, yeah. Yeah, it's Freddy vs. Jason. Um, but, yeah, it, it is basically the opening scene of Blade just extended to a whole film. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, absolutely. Edgar... Well, he's trying to be Blade. He's, yeah, basically. He's the white Blade. Um, yeah, he makes more stupid noises than Blade, because throughout this film, he has this recurrent thing... We'll just keep going. <clears throat> it's like, what are you doing? You didn't need to do this in the other one. Please. And um, Gary does like the video edits and everything. Um, if you can get this a compilation, a going, compilation. <clears throat> do you, have you ever seen the video of Phil Mitchell deflating? <laughs> no. Well, Phil Mitchell is a soap opera character here in the UK. He's but people know. They've listened to us for 139 episodes. They know. And he is known for making a grumbling noise, isn't he? Yeah. And someone did a compilation and it sounds like he's deflating. And I think you could do something very similar with uh, Corey Feldman in this film. I think it's so. it's constant. It, I feel like it's played for comedic effect, but I don't know why it's never been a thing with this character. so much. Um, yeah. Uh, so he's making these stupid noises and he's trying to raise funds by selling his collection of old comic books to uh, a guy at a comic book shop owned by his friend Zoe, who he then tries to sell them to after. I don't know why he didn't just wait for her. Um, it's very confusing. Is it owned by her or does she just work there? No, uh, she works there. Okay. So you may recall in The Lost Boys, uh, Sam Emerson goes to their comic book shop uh, and he's looking for a Batman number 14 because there's only five in existence. He owns one of them. So he's looking for the other four. Um, Edgar has a Batman number 14 with him, presumably the one that belonged to Sam. But then he says he's not selling it because of sentimental value. Why have you got it with you? Why have you got it with you? <laughs> <laughs> 
Why does he have that there? And it's it's nice because I I mean I love the little touches in this one yeah. where it pays tribute to Corey Haim's character and the first one as a whole it feels a lot more respectful yeah. to the first film yeah. but this is just fucking stupid why take he's it to just, a shop with a bunch of comics that you're selling he's got a crate there and he I, I'm a little confused because he sells his um, vampires everywhere I can't remember what it's called um, his vampire comic book Destroy all vampires. Destroy all vampires. And the dude behind the till gives him money, gives him cash. Yeah? Yeah. But there's other ones in his crate that he can't sell. But also in the crate, and the camera, you know, goes to it, is this Batman number 14. Mm -hmm. It's like, why are you carrying this around with you if you're not going to sell it? Yeah. It could have just been the guy behind the counter said, well, I do know you've got Batman number 14... Why can't you sell me that? Rather than yeah. him... Because it's just stupid. <laughs> it's just stupid. <laughs> it's just like... Why are you carrying around shit to sell? And you're not even going to sell it's it. It's true. You know, he's just going to lose it in the, that way. <laughs> um, um, Zoe comes over to him afterwards. Um, she is cosplaying as Pat Benatar. Um, she offers to sell some of his other stuff. On eBay mm-hmm. to help him out. The stuff he can't sell at the comic book. Okay? Then a bloke comes in and says he wants I to I wouldn't buy. say he's a bloke. He's he's definitely not that masculine, is he, Chris? Let's face it. Okay, so some fella... <laughs> some fella comes in and he says, uh, I, I want to buy graphic novels. And she says, well, we don't sell graphic novels. We sell comic books. And he's like, comic books are for geeks. Uh, and then kind of storms out. Um, she says, uh, geek is chic. <laughs> and then <laughs> Edgar's like, do you know that guy? Uh, do you know that guy? Um, and she says, not really. It's celebrity blogger Johnny Trash. <laughs> and it immediately reels off like every bit of his personality. So, he does this, he does this, he does this. Okay, Johnny Trash know. is in town for the X party, but no one knows the location until the day of. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnny Trash I'm assuming um, is meant to be a Perez Hilton style yeah there's little digs of pop culture there is in this like, film oh, little fucking yeah, massive it's, it's whopping true. huge digs it, of popular culture really cringy though it's, yeah. it's really cringy because it's so obvious and it's just I mean you've just had a dig there about graphic novels yeah graphic novels they're comic books and geek is chic <laughs> Um, Edgar leaves without saying goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. Because he's this rude, grumpy because character in this grum- one. Oh, who is... What has he given me? Like, someone who is, like, a loner after the first film. Oh, I'll get back to you. It's, it's given me Laurie Strode in the most recent Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> the vampires are still there. That is so insulting. Why is no one believing me? The vampires are still there. After that insult, <laughs> Edgar drives back to his trailer whilst listening to Disconnected by Truth Movement in his car. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, who's Truth Movement? Truth Movement is a band fronted by Corey fucking Foudman. He is listening to his own <laughs> fucking song. He is an executive producer on this film. He is involved in the making of this film. He probably decided the soundtrack. 
he decided to have his own fucking song in the film. And his singing sounds just like his voice in this film. So it's so jarringly obvious that it's him that he's listening to. Yeah. But when Madonna did it in Desperately Seeking Susan, oh, a, we were all living for it. And there's, there's a difference, isn't there? It's not particularly a good song either. It is, oh, on, no. it is on the now, that's what I call Horror Culture I Shiver playlist on Spotify. Yes, there is a Spotify playlist. Um, now that's what I call Horror Culture I Shiver. So please, go and have a listen. Yeah, well, you can hear some of the best songs from podcast films, um, but not the best one, unfortunately. But. <laughs> Yeah, the Cry Little Sister Dance new metal remix is on there, so go and have a listen. Yes. Um, when he gets back to his trailer, he's approached by Gwen Lieber, a romantic vampire novel writer, whose brother Peter was kidnapped during a rave in what she calls Ibiza, uh, and she suspects vampiric activity. Now, of course, she is supposed to be Stephanie Meyer, the author of Twilight. Yes. And whoever wrote this film does not like Twilight. <laughs> and we know that they don't like Twilight. It's such a cringy thing. It's like... It's so, it's so fucking because, annoying. Okay. T- Twilight isn't isn't very good. Uh, you know, I'll be the first person to tell you that. It's kind of like the whole thing around that time. Hating people around the 2000s is a weird thing, weren't it? I mean, obviously there's the Justin Bieber thing. Yeah, okay, Justin Bieber was shit. But the whole thing was, oh, I hate Justin Bieber, it's a joke. And then it was Twilight, oh, Twilight shit, oh, how cool am I? Oh, Britney Spears shaved the head, let's make a joke about it. It's such a fucking weird time, the 2000s, isn't it? What annoys me is that, particularly in this film, and do you know what, we sit here every week and we've been known to badmouth a film or two. Yeah. You know, but I would never sit here and really call anyone out for liking it you know if you like it you yeah. like it you know we didn't like it we you know have a fun time watching it and you know we can call it trashy and and so on but i hope and i really do hope because it's not our intent um i hope we don't sound snobby about it no. i don't look down on anyone who enjoys these kind of films if it's just not for us we do our analysis we hope to make it funny and entertaining um, but I would never look down on anyone for enjoying no. Twilight. If you like Twilight, you like Twilight, whatever. Yeah. But so much of this film is dedicated to ridiculing Twilight and in turn kind of ridiculing anyone who enjoys yeah. it. Now, I ain't being funny. This ain't fucking David Lean. No. This ain't fucking Stanley Kubrick making exactly. this film. Yeah. You know, people in glass houses really shouldn't fucking throw stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing. This, you know, this entire thing, the whole joke is goffy, vampire. Bitch, it was only one film ago when you had someone dressed like Pete Wentz in your it's fucking true. film. It's so, true. come on. But it, this is what it was like. This is what the late 2000s and early 2010s was like. That was, yeah. You know, if if uh, something was deemed uncool, it was cool to make fun of it. Yeah. You know, if someone had a breakdown, it was fun. It was it was cool to make fun of it. It was a weird time. It, it, the way people treated things was fucking bizarre. It's, I just don't understand how people can... Gay people. Look at gay people. Gay people were the biggest joke going in the 2000s. Yeah. Everything, you know, every teen movie. It was called gay this, gay that, gay this. Well, I think we um, skipped over it, but wasn't somebody described as walking like a fag in the... In, in, uh, the, in the tribe, yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah. In the tribe. 
Um, but my my thing is, oh, I can't remember now. No, well, I was okay. I was ranting about what yeah, people you, you found funny. Yeah, you kind of interrupted me. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, uh, my issue is is that you know we can have issue with films, um, but when you're being cunty towards people who enjoy these films, I just I just don't get it, and it's something that really. Um, annoys me about Twitter is that it kind of feels like if you disagree with someone's opinion mm. it it's a personal attack. Yeah. I just find that a bit weird. Yeah, it's bullshit. Um but yeah this is this film is very much that sensibility that popular things are funny and and it's not cool to like them. Yeah. Because Twilight was popular. It made shit tons of money. Popular. Hugely popular. Um it doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Yeah. But also means you can't be fucking novel about. But then they also do the same Bear Grylls a little later on. Is that what they were going for? Oh, oh come on! Or do you think Steve Irwin? Bear Grylls was the shit at this time. He was another popular thing. Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Twenty ten. I'm getting mixed up. Um, but yeah, again, something as popular. Do you that... not think it would have been Steve Irwin? No. He'd have died by this point, and that'd be in real bad taste. That would have been. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a a twelve year old wrote a script. Yeah, yeah, it's just a weird snobbery to it. Yeah, that annoys me. But yeah, so she's introduced Gwen. Um, her and her brother are two British characters, and uh, also the worst actors in the fucking film. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually. So, oh, oh yes, I'm here about my brother. Uh, he was kidnapped in Ibiza. Ibiza? Why is it Ibiza? <laughs> it's Ibiza. <laughs> um, she talks like the fucking Venga boys. And, uh, and we get... Because that's how they describe it. Um, yeah. We get a flashback while she explains this. Um, she talks about a drug called The First, uh, which is given to people at raves hosted by a person known as DJ X. And the flashback involves her brother looking... Like, he's far too young to be at a rave. Oh, my God. Um, he's, like, 15. And uh, he's there doing this drug and whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she has some. She has one of the drugs with her. Like, I mean, hello, why yeah. does she have this? Yeah. Um, and uh, she gives it to Edgar. He sniffs it and he's like, yeah, that's vampire blood. And, uh... And then Gwen explains that the blood traces back to the blood-sucking Alpha, the head vampire. Uh, and putting a stop to it could get rid of vampires for good. So she offers him a large sum of money to rescue her brother, but he turns it down. Yeah, he says... And I don't like this line. Knowing sort of... The, 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 the sort of behind-the-scenes and, and the history. Mm. Um, he says, why would I care about a bunch of drug addicts? Like, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so he's he's not interested in helping her, yeah, even though this is, they both agree that this, you know, if not dealt with, this could lead to disastrous consequences yeah. for everyone, um, and that killing the Alpha and saving Peter could save... Many, 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 many people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. So they both agreed, but he's like, oh, I ain't gonna... I ain't Even gonna though help. she's offering a big lump sum of money. Big lump sum of money. And he is in desperate need for money. Money, yeah. And he knows that she is a famous writer, so she has the money and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah. We then cut to Gwen's brother, Peter. He's tied up on a plane. And the uh, DJ X and some other vampires um, decide to do a skydive. Set to cry little Set sister. Set to cry little sister. <laughs> oh, you know what? This scene looks good. I, I'll it stand by right. it. It looks, looks good. Okay. And the vampires have got big hair. Yes. You know, like in the original. Very, yeah, yeah, very much a throwback. Uh, Peter is apparently a package that needs to be delivered. He's like, oh, make sure he's delivered to wherever he's going. Um, DJ X meets up with Johnny Trash. <laughs> Johnny Trash is absolutely fuming that DJ X hasn't returned his calls, even though Johnny Trash has been promoting the X parties. Yeah, Johnny Trash tries his best to show he's obnoxious by being a dick to every single character he comes across yeah. in his little amount of screen time, which isn't great gay representation, is it? No, no. Uh, he's also... Um, actually, I wouldn't say he's sexually aggressive. He's just sort of very flirty, yeah. which uh, is a bit of a stereotype. Uh, Edgar visits Alan and explains the situation to him as if he hasn't just dismissed Gwen. Yeah. And her offer of money to do exactly <laughs> the same thing he's trying to get Alan to help him to do. This is where I'm confused. Because he goes to Alan and says, okay, this is happening. Mm. Um, it could mean the end of humanity as we know it. I need to go and kill the Alpha and save this guy Peter yeah. in the process. But he's just refused money a large sum of money to do exactly the same yeah. thing. This is just an excuse to show us what's happened to Alan. Alan, yeah. It's like, you could have done this in many other ways. So exactly. we now know he's half vampire and satisfies his thirst for blood by feeding on animal blood um, acquired in his job as a taxidermist. Yes. So, yeah, the, the, I mean, the setup for the scene is nice that he's playing a song similar to the one that Sam sang in the bath in the original, um, the same sort of style. You know, they have a little chat about the characters from the first film. It's great. But why does the scene exist when it's just there for him to try and convince him to join something he's just turned down? Yeah. But Edgar's like, he explains that this could mean the end of humanity as we know it. But then in the same breath explains why everyone from the original two films, because we should should count the second film as well. I mean, he was part of that. And it's still canon. So then he explains why no one else can help them. Yeah. Even though this means the end of humanity. The funniest one is, oh, what about Laddie? Oh, well, Laddie has a wife and two daughters now. <laughs> or whatever. Two kids now. I was like, but this is the end of humanity. Yeah. You know it. You think he'd want to help considering that... His family could be killed because yeah. of this. You think he'd want to get involved? Yeah, and I, I, I know it's they wanted to do a little mention of the original film, uh, for continuity and the fact that the actors involved, you know, didn't want to be involved in this film. Yeah. I, I do understand that, but it does sound very silly that one moment he's talking about the end of the world. And the other one is, oh, well, uh, Laddie can't get involved because he's got a wife and kids now. <laughs> well, he says uh, he killed Sam uh, because he turned to a vampire. So we know the tribe is canon. You know, that's what yeah. I'm in the mid-credits scene. Uh-huh. Uh, and he says the rest of the Emerson family is not speaking to him now, including Michael and Star. It's like, okay, 
So then this brings up the whole thing about oh, the kids in oh, the no, second don't film. Don't do this. But this is that, that's the moment where it brings that up. And oh, then, of course, no. it says about Laddie. Yeah. Um, but then that's the end of the scene. Yeah. They have a, he has a nice little flashback to the original, and then that's the end of the scene. But Alan's just like, no, I'm not, yeah. not helping. Yeah. DJX kills Johnny after his interview um, since the blogger has now served his purpose in promoting the rave online uh, before this but I always I thought that Johnny was meant to be the one to release the information of the I rave. know yeah so what they, they must have took his laptop and did it for him yeah um, Johnny says what do you guys have to drink in this jalopy and I'm like, you you yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Edgar goes to see Gwen at the hotel. And well, before this, before oh, this, you're missing a chunk out. A chunk. Um, remembering his youthful days with Alan and Sam Emerson, uh, after looking at a picture and having a flashback to the first film. Uh, wait, is this the graveyard scene? Was that? No. No, that's okay. Never mind. No, I'm thinking the wrong scene. But yeah, he goes to the hotel, doesn't he? And that's where we get the exposition, and we find out that she's Stephanie Meyer, basically. Yes. Uh, Edgar's like, yeah, fuck your books. Yes. Yeah, Edgar's basically what the writer's trying to say. He's the embodiment of uh, all those cool people who don't like Twilight, isn't he? Uh Uh-huh. He calls it a bodice ripper. (laughs) Um, It's a bodice ripper. I was very confused. (laughs) Uh, But bodice ripper vampire stories for emos, which is essentially Twilight. Yeah. So he takes the job. Um, Gwen introduces him to Lars Van Goetz, a former reality TV star, hoping to use the mission to make him famous again. Uh, and he's joined by Klaus, or Klaus, his cameraman. Uh-huh. Uh, Edgar reluctantly accepts his help. And yeah, and we get some like, oh, he's fought a bear and blah, 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 blah. So yeah, okay, his bear grill's great. Uh, after a visit to the grave of Sam, uh, in which Edgar leaves the Batman number 14 comic... Edgar finds that sad scene. Sad scene, Chris. Is it really like? Why would he leave? I mean, what what purpose does it fit to leave the magazine on the? Wouldn't Sammy, magazine? It's a comic book. Or whatever the graphic novel. Um, or the comic comics book. are chic, but geeks chic. <laughs> but wouldn't it suit? Wouldn't Sam be happier if um, Edgar didn't lose his home and just sold? The comic book. Well, it's closure to that story. Rather than leave it on the the grave. It's there as closure. Yeah. Um, Alan leaves him a book of vampire history in his car to help him in his mission. Could have just, you know, gone to the gravestone with him and the scene would have been even better. That's Um, true. So Edgar gives the book to Zoe for research. Uh, She's attacked by a vampire and says, Back off, fucko. Fucko. The thing about that book is that Alan, in the note, it says it's one of the first written about vampirism. That should have been harder to get than the Batman number 14. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Uh, we, we love an old book on this podcast, don't we? In, in good condition. Yeah. So Edgar... Uh, um, okay, I'm confused. Edgar calls Zoe and asks her to have a look at the book for him, you mm. know, and try and explain and, and that. Edgar leaves and Zoe is visited by a vampire who is eventually killed by Zoe's holy water pepper spray. Yeah. Edgar returns, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming gives a cheesy line, I didn't get it down. Then, oh, yeah, he says, uh, should we go for pancakes? Yeah. And she's like, yeah. So they discuss a part of the book that features the sacrifice of a young man, and they believe that Peter will be that sacrifice. 
how quickly did she read that fucking book? <laughs> like, this part of the book was right in the middle yeah. as well. It really hasn't been that long. She's a motherfucking quick reader. Also, there's so many disposable vampires in this film, like, yeah. they just randomly appear like Edgar. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> why are you randomly looking for Edgar there. Frog? He doesn't really, <laughs> also doesn't really question why she has holy water in her pepper spray. He does at the end. At the yeah. very end, at of, the the very film, end of the film. At the very end of the film, but doesn't at the time. Um, yeah, Congressman Blake is now Edgar's weapons designer for a fee, <laughs> and he outfits Edgar and Zoe for a battle. Um, not going to lie, probably the most boring scene of the film where they go through all their weapons and everything and then have a conversation after that. And it, it starts in daytime and ends at night time. It's like, okay, I feel like I've been here this long yes. with this fucking scene. What I don't understand is why Edgar gives him money. I know, yeah. Like, again, this is the future of humanity at stake. Yeah. This is like, you'd be dead. But if this doesn't... <laughs> work out they have stated in this film this is the end of humanity you think you'd just give them a few fucking weapons for free (laughs) jesus christ man um zoe has a nose around the around his house and finds newspaper articles about werewolves (gasps) might come useful later on they stay for dinner might mean something later on no they say they don't want to stay for dinner no they say they will stay for dinner do they yeah beans oh beans yeah uh, but some vampires on skateboards turn up. They're initially deterred by UV lights, but then set the house on fire. Uh, Blake kills them with a very large gun, um, and they explode into feathers. Yeah, and they all have a laugh about it, and that's the end of the scene. Yeah, why, why do they explode into feathers? Like, his house has just been burned down, and he's like, ha, 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 vampires. Is it like, was this, I'm assuming it's still R-rated. Yeah. They just can't afford the special effects they did for the second film, so it's feathers. Um, Edgar and Zoe meet up with Gwen, Lars and Klaus and set off for the island where the rave has taken place. Uh, Gwen and Zoe throw a bit of shade at each other, don't they? Yeah. And well, you uh, aren't qualified to be here. Like, well, uh, I've killed more vampires than you. Uh, well, uh, and... and... Yeah, so I put on the boat, Zoe and Gwen pretend to fancy Edgar and they're catty to each other because they're women. Um, uh, Zoe says, did I tell you I hated her books? Yeah, we know. Have, uh, yes, we know. Everyone hates, hates Twilight. We know. Yes. Um, leaving Gwen behind for safety, the remaining four go inside of uh, the rave location for the search yeah, of Peter. Why do they leave Gwen behind? I am being funny. She's gone out of her way to dress up as fucking Lara Croft. <laughs> and they just leave her. Yeah. Just like, well, no, you stay on the beach. Well, what for? Why the fuck has she even gone to the island then? That's <laughs> true. If you're just going to leave her on the beach, why was she even on the boat? <laughs> um, a female vampire licks blood off another female vampire for a few minutes because sexualizing lesbians is cool. <laughs> Uh, a couple with promise rings are brought to the rave early and get murdered. Yes. For no apparent reason. They, <laughs> well, they were looking, yeah, they were looking for... The, oh, I thought they were looking for the VIP room. Uh, they were brought there. They were brought there early. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so that's why through, and <laughs> throughout the next part of the film, there was no one else around. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I've got... The, the team turn up at the entrance to the cave 
which seems quite quiet for the most popular party of all time. Um, then we get some inane chatter about naming guns, like you name boats. Mm -hmm. uh, then we get more inane chatter from the cameraman, who is rightfully freaked out by the creepy cave. Uh, Lars describes him as claustrophobic. Do you get it? Because mm. his name is Claus. Yeah, I, I completely refuse to write that down, but thank you for bringing it up. Um, Edgar decides that they should split up. Uh, him and Zoe, and then Lars and Klaus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Lars, yeah. Lars and Klaus <laughs> find Peter. I was like, sometimes with these films, it's hard to analyse what's going on. Cause sometimes it's like, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what it, happened. Yeah. That is what happened. Yeah. Uh, Lars and Klaus find Peter, but because they think the whole thing is staged, uh, he leaves. They well, leave. Lars thinks it's staged. Yeah, they leave and uh, plan to rescue him at a more dramatic time. Yeah. Um, Lars does this thing where he, he says that uh, he, he starts pretending that it's haunted by cannibal pirates. It's obviously on Indian burial ground where they burnt witches and, and so on because he thinks it's all a big act. But then they come face to face uh, with one of the vampires... Uh, who I asked Chris which random wrestler's this. Because that's who he looks like. Yeah, he looks, he like, looks like... He's a yeah. random wrestler that's probably yeah. been out of the game for a while. And has took up a film role for a little cameo. Um, but it, just random actor. It's just a... Yeah. He, he looks... He looks like he's going for a uh, Stone Cold... Yeah. ...style look. Um, yeah, he, he comes face to face with him and uh, Lars punches him for a bit. So he responds by ripping his heart out. <laughs> Um, but Klaus kills him. Yeah, go Klaus. Yep. He uh, stabs him through the chest, doesn't he? Yeah, and that's the end of Lars. Thank uh, God. Yeah, thank God. Well, he didn't really do that much, to be fair, bless him. Um, Zoe and Edgar turn up to the entrance of the slaughterhouse. Edgar says, this is the entrance to the slaughterhouse. <laughs> Time for Mr. Frog's wild ride. <laughs> um, how the fuck does he know that's the entrance to the slaughterhouse? Like, does he have a fucking map? Like, where does this map come from? Uh, Zoe finds the promise rings in the VIP area. Yeah. Uh, Edgar goes, Virgins, vampire filet mignon. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is quite <sighs> funny in parts. I don't, I'm not sure how intentional um, the uh, laughter is at them. Um, but it is. It's, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, so um, a vampire called Lily um, jumps out and stabs him with a sword. Zoe kills her. The other female vampire does a fancy run across a wall whilst Edgar tries to shoot her. Just oh, my God. Because Underworld exists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're making fun of Twilight, but yet they've... Underworld They've ripped okay. off Underworld. Underworld is just as moody and emo as Twilight, so... Yeah, I'm I mean, there was loads of sequels to that film, weren't there? There was. Zoe, Edgar and Klaus regroup with Gwen outside. Uh, Edgar passes out and has another flashback to him and Alan talking with Sam in the first film. Uh, and then he comes back around and the four of them head inside. With absolutely no question about Gwen this time going in. No. Like, no, she just goes in with now. Them. Yeah. The rave's in full swing. DJ X is distributing the first to the crowd and preparing to sacrifice Peter. And, uh... Yeah, well... It's a montage of partygoers taking the thirst. Yeah. And ladies taking their tops off in the crowd. Of course. Again, you know. 
Because um, it's about on par with the um, second film in terms of its representation of women. Apart from and Zoe, I mean, Zoe's a big step up. Zoe is a from step the first up. Film. Oh, Pat Benatar. Um, <laughs> Edgar shows up, and the female vampire that survived says, "Put on something nasty, X. I think I found someone to dance with." <laughs> She's in a very generic, like, red um, strapless top, isn't yeah. she? I swear, so many vampire women are dressed like that True. in films. Edgar takes on DJ X and the other vampire. He slits her throat with uh, a record and she explodes. What does he say? What does he say? Vinyl still shred. <laughs> <laughs> Edgar fights DJX and is stabbed by him. Alan shows up and saves him at the last minute. Um, and the vampire hunters take him on. And it's, it's, it is great to see the two of them share the screen again fighting vampires. That's the highlight of the film. Um, doesn't make it feel like a complete waste of time watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edgar impales DJX with a resin spike grenade. Uh, a weapon stolen from Area 51 by Congressman Blake. Oh... Before he and Alan finish him off with swords through the heart. Excuse me. Um. To their surprise, the death of DJ X doesn't cause the half vampires to revert. Oh no. And then they discover that Peter can't act. (laughs) (laughs) He starts speaking for the first time. It's like, oh my god. So Peter and Gwen (laughs) start making out. Everyone's horrified because they're meant to be brother and sister. Also, there's about a 10-year gap between... He's still, <laughs> Probably more. He still looks 16, <laughs> and she looks not very much not 16. Um, so it's very weird in both both ways. Um, but the big reveal is that Peter is actually the alpha, and Gwen set them up. Yes. Uh, DJ X is basically just trying to extract his power... Uh, Gwen and Peter are not siblings, they're lovers. Yes. To which we get a flashback (laughs) to 1031 AD, where Peter and his vampire friends attempt to recreate a bonfire scene from the first film. Oh. Uh, It says the iconic line, terrible line delivery, sleep all day, party all night, oh, we're vampires or whatever, and then it moves on back to the scene where we were before. So Gwen apologises and says, I'm sorry, I just didn't want to age because she's a woman. Um, <laughs> we all know the rules on this we podcast. All know, we all know the rules. Any woman, the worst thing that could ever happen to any woman in any film is that she looks old uh-huh. um, or gets old. Um, yeah. So Peter still ain't that impressed, actually, to be fair, and takes a big chunk of her neck. Oh. Yeah. And throws her into the water. Yeah. Um, Peter's line delivery. Can we, can we focus Shit. on that? <laughs> it's awful. It is genuinely... Weird. Like Angus Sutherland in the tribe. He's given me Peter Beale <laughs> from EastEnders. <laughs> it won't surprise you. To... You know the middle Peter Beale. Yeah. Um, also, I feel like he's a budget version of the guy who plays Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter. Yes. Which is... Why would you want a budget budget version of him? He's not a big star, is he? <laughs> but, oh, yeah, but Harry Potter films are massive. Um, I mean, you could have a walk-on role and 
you know, have a, have a little fine, you'd uh, <laughs> you'd be at Comic Con signing autographs, wouldn't it's you? It's true. It's true. Harry it won't surprise you to know the guy who plays Peter. This is his only film. Is it? Yeah. Oh, Peter Beale. There we go. It's actually Peter Beale. It's Peter Beale. It's actually Peter Beale. Um, yeah, he uh, he wants Edgar to become his personal vampire hitman uh, to keep other vampires under control. Uh, so he, he tells all the... the... <laughs> to keep the population low, isn't it? Yeah. So they don't all steal each other's food. Um, he talks shit. Um, he captures Alan, ties him up and whatnot. Well, puts a chain around his throat. Um, and he attempts to control Alan to fight Edgar. But... Cry Little Sister starts playing, and this uh, encourages Edgar to douse Peter with water, which he simultaneously blesses into holy water, destroying Peter and returning everyone else to normal. And they quote, uh, they do their iconic quote from the first film, him and Alan. They say, death to all vampires, maximum body count. We're awesome monster bashers, the meanest, the baddest. And they even do the cute little handshake thing. Your fang check as well, yeah. don't they? Uh, yeah, so if you hadn't seen the second film, you wouldn't realise that he was able to bless Holy Water <laughs> himself. Um, but, I, I, I don't know, it was a bit dumb. Way to kill him, I don't know. I'd rather have had a yeah. sword fight again. Um, anyway, we then cut to Alan, who's sunbathing on the beach whilst reading Gwen's novel. Yeah. Um, Edgar visits the comic book store. Uh, Zoe has sold his comic for five hundred dollars. This is where I'm a little confused. Did she sell Vampire Everywhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one. But she he'd already her. sold. He'd already sold it, hadn't he? Because he it got was one of the ones that he had left. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Edgar now has a ponytail and a yeah, Kindle. He does. Yeah, so he's scanning the pages of the old vampire book onto his Kindle and uh, coincidentally starts talking shit about female werewolves. Well, before that, he, he wants to know how she knew so much about vampires oh, yeah. um, as a throwback to the whole holy water and mace scene. And she's like, oh, it's just a hunch. And then he's like, yeah, I'm reading about werewolf, uh, women werewolves and whatnot. Uh, they can transform at any time they want. And the film ends with Zoe's face as she becomes a werewolf. And the credits start with Cry Little Sister playing again. Um, Yeah, they definitely ran out of budget for that ending, didn't they? For... Uh... For the whole, the way he died and then quickly putting that in at the end, it felt a little rushed. Well, isn't that Michael Jackson's thriller? I suppose, yeah. The ending. That's Lost Boys the First. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's better than the, I think it's better than the second. Mainly because it's more coherent. Um, yeah, there's not a lot to... It's actually it's just really difficult. generic. It is. It's, it's very generic. Um, they're both very throwaway films. Um, and the only the only reason we're sat here talking about them is because they're Lost Boys sequels. Yeah. They're not particularly awful. I don't sit here, they're not like trash to pieces. Mm. They're not really bottom of the barrel awful. No. Um... There's not much to analyse. There's not much to talk about. Like I said earlier, sometimes with these films, you just... We, we sit here and we just kind of describe what's happening 
um, and tr really try and force a laugh out of it because there's not much to it. It was like, wait, well, he drives there. Okay, yeah, he does. You know, he does this. Yeah, okay, great. You know, it, it's hard to analyse these things because it just sort of happens. It's not particularly badly acted. Um, wow. Well, some parts are, <laughs> uh, but I'm talking about the sort of transitional parts of the film. Yeah. Um, which take up, you know, quite a lot of time. And in other films, they can be quite ridiculous or silly mm -hmm. or over the top. It's just it, generic. It's yeah, just sort of really run-of-the-mill, um, which for me personally makes it bad <laughs> because well, yeah, I hate because, because boring it's easy boring. to laugh at whilst discussing but yeah. watching the film it's not oh, there's not a lot to laugh no. it's not so bad it's good you know it's no. just if you would just put them on um, I would have been on my phone yeah. within the first 10-15 minutes yeah you know I've been like, oh, I don't care. Yeah, so they're both throwaway sequels. I can't really say we recommend them, but if you want to watch them, at least you've got Corey Feldman to watch. Yeah, there's a bit of fan service there. So if you're a big fan of the original, you've probably already watched them anyway. Yeah. Um, but seek them out. Otherwise, I wouldn't... Don't if you're them. just a general horror fan, it's not really worth it. No. So, yes, those are the Lost Boys sequels. Uh, tell us what you think of them on social media. We're Horrorcourt Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcourt Trash on Twitter. I'm Gaz 92 on Letterboxd. Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker 823 on Twitter, Instagram and Letterboxd. Uh, great review and subscribe on iTunes. Like a follow on everything else. Follow us on Spotify. Yes, the, now that's what I call Um Gary's going to record a special um, medley of uh, Lost Boys songs, aren't you? Yes, no. of course. Especially Tim Capello's song. Um, uh, yeah, Howraiser Screening has had a bunch of shit added to it. So, September 30th, Chapel Town Picture House in Manchester. Tickets available from the links in our bios on social media. We're always posting it, so it should be easy to find. Uh, we will now be not only having a trailer reel of other horror films from 1987, uh, horror court and trash films, should I say, but also uh, there is going to be a gaming session with Dead by Daylight and the new Howraiser DLC. Yes. Uh, this will start at 3 p.m., uh, so we won't be there at that time, but we will be there later on. Um, but go along to it. It's completely free of charge. Completely free of charge. Go and play Dead by Daylight on a big screen. Should be lots of fun and a great warm-up for the film. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a great sort of intro to Pinhead in the game. Very exciting. Chatter is in it as well. Oh, on okay. Game, yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. So, yes, go and check that out. Head over to Eventbrite and grab your tickets. Next week... Double episode week, we are back with the long-awaited Glitter episode. It's you know, you know, you've been waiting say, for it. It's about time. It's the twentieth anniversary of Glitter. <laughs> um, as we speak, it would have been floundering at the box office twenty years ago. What <laughs> better time to celebrate? Exactly. And then on Friday, we'll be bringing you our original versus remake episode. Of, I saw what you did! Joan 
Crawford. Was that a Joan Crawford yes. impression? Oh, excuse me. She's back. She's back on the podcast. After... Father, please, <sighs> please put me back on the podcast. And we did. After all those uh, those impressions on the Supergirl episode, she is back. <laughs> and we're discussing us what you did, both versions. Yes, that I am excited for. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, we will see you on Tuesday. Bye.